All right. Good morning. How you doing? Yeah? Where's your smiles at? Can I get some smiles? There it is. There it is. Okay, wait. Nobody else is smiling. All right. All right. I guess, I guess we have to move the 9 o'clock service to 8.30. Maybe they'll come with some smiles. No. <laughs> there you go. There are the smiles. Well, good morning. For those of you that don't know me, I'm Pastor Jose. I'm the lead pastor here. And today, it's my privilege to share a word with you, a thought from the scriptures. I'm not asking you to believe anything that I'm telling you. I'm asking you simply to consider the truth that God's word reveals. Listen closely. Consider the truth that God's word reveals. All right. So last week we started on a series entitled Christmas at the Movies. Christmas at the Movies. And we were looking last week at the Grinch that stole Christmas. We're just having some fun here. We're looking at some themes that we're pulling from uh, some different Christmas movie favorites. And we're exploring what God's word has to say about those particular things. So last week we learned that Christmas, the Christmas story is all about Christ. That God truly is with us. And we examine the implications of the power of God's presence in our lives. So this week we're going to be building upon that revelation and its meaning. But before we dig in, let's check out this clip from a common movie. Let's see if you know which one it is. This is ridiculous. Only a wimp would be hiding under a bed. I can't be a wimp. I'm the man of the house. Hey, I'm not afraid anymore. I said I'm not afraid anymore. Do you hear me? I'm not afraid to say this with me. I'm not afraid anymore. Let's say that together. I'm not afraid anymore. Now, I want you to think about those words. And I want you to consider the truth that's available to us in Christ. I want you to think about how this account of what Christmas is really about, the celebration of Christ and his coming addresses many areas of our life. And one of the very first things that God addressed when he presented this plan to a man and a woman called Joseph and Mary, one of the things that he addressed was their fear. Their fear. Now, I find it interesting, and I'm, I'm, you can jot this down for yourself in terms of notes. You can go check this out on your, on your own. But I find it very interesting that at the beginning of time, after man's fall, when sin entered, the very first emotion, the very first thing that men dealt with was fear. The Bible says that God came into the garden looking for them. And that he called out to them. He says, Adam, where are you? And the Bible says that Adam hid himself. And that when God said to him, where are you? He says, I hid because I was naked and I was afraid. 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 
And what I find interesting is that when God introduces Christ into the world and he brings this message, the very first thing that he addresses is fear. We're going to see that in a second. Can you remember the last time that you were afraid? Now, listen, I'm not talking about terror. Terror is a part of fear, being terrorized, you know, being, uh, you know, racked with this sense of fear and anxiety. I, that, that's all part of fear. But, you know, fear is also, uh, it manifests itself in different ways. It's those thoughts that continually taunt us. Those things that continually pull at us, that limit us, that stop us from hearing from God, that stop us from taking steps in faith, that uh, put a roadblock in our ability to take steps forward in life. And do what the word of God says we can do and try something new. Fear. So can you remember the last time you were afraid? Have you ever felt afraid? I know I have. Can you imagine a life where you never cave in to fear again? I want to start off by asking you a question today. Are you overcome by fear or are you overcoming it are you overcome by fear or are you overcoming it as i said fear manifests itself in many different ways and we all have to face it and so today i'd like to talk to you from the topic of fear and start off by simply saying to you don't be afraid and i'm going to give you context for that And so let's turn in our Bibles to Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 24. We were looking at this, these verses last week, and we're going to go back there. And we're going to start off at verse 18, Matthew chapter 1. And it starts off by saying, this is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant Through the Holy Spirit. Somebody say, uh oh. (laughs) Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid. To take Mary home as your wife. Because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel which means God with us. Verse 24, when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. So I want you to envision this with me. I want you to put on your imaginary caps. And I want you to see what you physically can't see. I want to invite you to consider that behind the scenes of your life, God is at work. And he's doing something marvelous. He's doing something way out there. I mean, it is radical. It is unlike anything you could conceive on your own. It is unlike anything you've ever experienced. It's unlike anything you've ever done. 
It's far beyond your wildest dreams. But because you're so afraid, you can't see it. And you're most likely to miss it completely. You know, the truth be told, we don't have to try and imagine that scenario. Because we've all been there at some point. Where somehow a thought, a fear, and an anxiety, a worry, a circumstance, something that we put our mind and heart to, seized upon us to such an extent that it limited us from seeing the power of God in our lives. See, fear limits us but it also has the power to keep us from seeing the great things that God has for us. So watch this. This is where we find Joseph. This is where Joseph is. Notice that the angel says to him, don't be afraid. What does that tell us? That he was afraid. See, he's afraid, but it's not because of the angel that's talking to him. It's not because of the angel that he, he's never seen. And for the first time, he has this encounter with this angelic being sent from God with a message. It's not because of that. It's not because, of, uh, it's not because uh, God is giving him a message that seems so far-fetched and so far out there that the impossibility of it is overwhelming. It's because he's facing the unimaginable. See, everything that was supposed to go right is now seemingly going wrong. Life all of a sudden makes no sense. And the uncertainty of his predicament has driven him to a place of full-fledged fear. And up until this point of no return. Listen, he was betrothed to a young girl named Mary. You know what that means? It means that he was engaged. Now, engagement back in those days was nothing like what it is today. Engagement back in those days literally took a contract between the one who was going to marry the daughter uh, and, and sometimes their family and the father and their family. And there were gifts that they were exchanged. Sometimes there were monies that were exchanged. There was a whole uh, ritual that went along with betrothment, with engagement. And then in addition to that, it was once the, 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 this contract and this agreement was set in place, you were married, but the deal wasn't sealed until it was consummated. And so in that process, the husband would concentrate on getting these, uh, the, these gifts to this family. They would build homes. They would do all these things to prepare for the final day where the, he would take his bride and it would be consummated. And they were husband and wife. And the, the deal was sealed. And so Joseph was living with this dream, with this vision, with this next chapter, this next step that he was, look forward, he was looking forward to. He anticipated nothing but the best. He was preparing for all this. He set on this girl named Mary. She's everything he could want. He's building a home. He's looking to the future. And then Mary drops a bombshell. Joseph, I gotta talk to you. Okay, how you doing, baby? I'm pregnant. What? What, what, what do you mean you're pregnant? 
How is this possible? Now, I want you to put yourself in these shoes, guys. Some of you have been there where your wife has told you I'm pregnant and you went, oh, man, we're having a baby. Or maybe you went, oh, no, but we'll figure it out. But I want to add to that experience and I want you to consider this situation that Joseph finds himself in. I'm pregnant and you're not the father. Now, let's take it a step further. She says to you, by the way, God's the father. (laughs) Think about that. I can assure you that back in those days, at this moment, when Joseph had this experience with Mary, this conversation with her, the same thing was running through his mind that it would be today. That's absurd. That doesn't make sense. And so you see, this seems utterly impossible to Joseph. Thoughts of possibly infidelity are running through his mind. He's feeling betrayed. He's thinking about the implications that this is going to have in Mary's life, in his life, how society is going to respond to him. Because back then, you could get killed for this kind of stuff. You're married or you're betrothed to a man, to a woman, and you're having a child quote-unquote, out of wedlock? People were getting stoned in those days for this kind of stuff. And so the cultural norms dictated a different response than the world we live in today. And so he's got all these things on his mind. The future that he was planning on, the children that he was looking forward to having and naming, the, 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 the purposes and the plans that he was excited about, the future that they were looking forward to, all these things are crumbling before his eyes and it leaves him feeling afraid. Afraid. He can't accept it. He can't appreciate it. And where we find Joseph right now in the midst of this conversation is that he's potentially about to miss what God is doing in the midst of his focus on his fear. See, in the midst of his fear and ours, we learn some powerful truths about how God addressed not only Joseph's fear, but humanity's as a whole. And so I want to start off by Reiterating a statement to you. Don't be afraid. What's interesting about the story of Christ in Christmas, because he's the central point. It's not about Santa, ladies and gentlemen. And please don't deceive your children that Santa is real. Don't lie to them. Tell them the truth. Raise them the right way. Don't lie to them. So in the midst of this Christmas story, Christ in Christmas, we begin to see that it's so much more than just the birth of a Savior. It's about what the birth of this Savior, this coming of this Savior into the world would do for all humanity. And one of the things that the coming of Christ addresses is this issue of fear. I want to take you back to Matthew chapter 1 verse 20. We'll read it again where it says, but after he had considered this. So what is it talking about? Joseph has conceived a plan in his mind. There's a loophole for me to get out of this engagement. There's a loophole. 
And so I don't want to, I don't want to embarrass her. And I certainly don't want her to get killed. And I don't want the implications that this has in society for me. So I'm going to do this quietly. That's my plan. I'm going to get rid of this situation. Maybe send her to Egypt or something. Send her far away. Maybe I'll go far away. Whatever the case is, we don't have those details there. So Joseph has a plan and he's considered this. And an angel of the Lord appears to him in a dream and says, Joseph, son of David. Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. Because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. In the thick of his greatest fears, the angel's response might sound a bit rough. I'll tell you what I'm talking about. Don't be afraid. You know what I was thinking about when I was meditating on this sermon and reviewing my notes a couple of weeks back? I was remembering my uncle. Some of you, you've been around, you've, you've heard me allude to him at one point. He was a giant in my eyes, and then when I became a teenager, I figured out he was only 5'4". <laughs> and it, it, it wasn't devastating. I loved him, but he was still a giant in my eyes. And my uncle was this, this he was a dude. You know, like he drove a 67 Chevy, Chevy Nova. It was the ugliest color you could think of, but somehow he made it look cool. It was vomit green, right? <laughs> And he had the dice hanging off the, you know, the, the rear view mirror. And he got, had the, the fur. He had it pimped out, you know, on the steering wheel. And it, it was just, it was legit. He had 20-inch rims on it, you know, big racing tires. So I admired my uncle. And, and my, if my uncle said something, I said, it's true and I can do it. So I remember we were in far Rockaway Beach. No, it was Coney Island. I mean, Coney Island, and I didn't know how to swim. I was probably like about three years old, four years old. And everybody's playing in the water and my cousins are going a little bit deeper and, you know, my sisters are going a little bit deeper. And I'm the little guy, you know, kind of just playing here, but wanting to go deeper and then just being afraid. So my uncle says, you want to swim? I said, yes. He says, I'll teach you. I said, yay. He says, come here. So I run to him. I jump on him. He grabs me. He walks into the water and he throws me. Now, mind you, I'm about three years old, so I'm about maybe two, three feet high. And he throws me, and I'm like, Uncle, Theo, Theo. He's like, swim. And I'm like, I can't. I can't. Help, help. He goes, don't be afraid. Swim. I started to learn to swim that day, by the way. (laughs) This wasn't that type of situation. You know, it's easy to say, don't be afraid. It's it's easy to just tell somebody, don't be afraid. But the truth is that in the midst of this story, this account of Christ in Christmas, we begin to see details that tell us how not to be afraid any longer. I know this for a fact. that There are some of you here that you long to be able to say convincingly, I'm not afraid anymore. I will not be limited anymore. I will not cave in to defeating thoughts. I will not give in to a past that haunts me. And so I want us to consider a couple of things in the context of this account. Notice that in verse 20, the angel says, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid. That might not mean much to you. But you see, 
That terminology used there by the angel of God was very powerful because what he was saying to Joseph was, you've forgotten your lineage. He's saying, your name is Joseph and you're from the line of King David. If you read just 17, the 17 verses before that from verse 1 to verse 17, what you'll see is a outline of 42 generations from Abraham all the way to Joseph. And in the midst of that lineage, what you'll find is this. You'll find Abraham, the coward and liar. You'll find Jacob who connived and cheated his brother out of his birthright. You'll find Rahab who was a prostitute. You'll find Ruth, a pagan worshiper. You'll find David, a murderer and an adulterer. You'll find Solomon who was promiscuous. You'll find many flawed people. And you might be thinking, what kind of encouragement is that? To remind him of a lineage so flawed. But the power in this one statement, Joseph, son of David, is that what it was, was a reminder that God chose flawed people to bring about a flawless plan of forgiveness and salvation for the entire world. Listen, Joseph forgot who he was. One of the greatest dangers in the midst of fear is that it brings into question our identity. I'll tell you what I'm talking about. I'm just weak. I'm just this broken person. Nothing I do succeeds. It's like I'm walking around and I got this cloud hovering over my life all these years. I can't. I'm unqualified. I'm unworthy. I'm not able. It brings into question our identity. Self-doubt about ourselves. We shot ourselves down and at the end we're hurting ourselves. Or we're allowing others to hurt us and we're buying into those lies. Let me just start off by giving you something to wrap your head and heart around. That when fear is present, remember who you are and whose you are. Remember who you are and whose you are. Remember who you belong to. Remember the one that called you out of the miry clay and set you on a high rock. Remember the one that says, I'm the one who calls you. I'm the one who chose you and appointed you to bear much fruit. I'm the one who calls you holy, righteous, accepted, my child, my chosen one. I like what Isaiah 43, 1 says. It says, but now this is what the Lord says. Who says? The Lord says. He who created you, Jacob... He who formed you, Israel, he's talking about his people, he's talking about you and me. He says, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. That word redeemed there is powerful because you know what God is saying? I've brought you back to the place where it all began. I've restored you back to the place where it's right. You are good. I am with you. Nothing separates us and you can not fail. Keep this picture in mind. He says, I've redeemed you. I've summoned you by name. Think about this. 
This isn't one of those situations where God says, I choose you, and we go, who, me? You're talking about them, right? No, 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 no. He formed you. He chose you. He paid the ultimate price for all of us, and that includes you. (laughs) And he says, and I summon you. This is your mind. Come. Leave that place of fear. Leave those worries behind. Let go of those insecurities. Let go of those defeating thoughts. Let go of those things that you put trust in above my name and above my promises. I love the way the uh, uh, CEV version puts verse 20. It says, Joseph, the baby that Mary will have is from the Holy Spirit. He says, Go ahead and marry her. Go ahead, Joseph. Get moving. Get going. Don't stay there. See, just like Joseph, you are assured and settled in your identity in Christ. You can face fear head on and you can move on. Notice that the angel's assignment in coming to Joseph was not to coddle his feelings. Hear what I'm saying here. It wasn't to go, oh, you poor baby. I know you're afraid. It's going to be all, it's okay. Oh, I know. Come, let me hold, let me give you a hug. It's all right. You're going to be all right. Yeah. I'm going to stay right here with you. Don't worry about it. That wasn't the angel's assignment. The angel's assignment was to reveal to Joseph that God was doing something greater in the midst of his fears and to get him to move forward. That was the angel's assignment. He was saying, hey, Joseph, son of David, child of God, destined to be of the lineage where the king of kings and lord of lords would come from. You, the one that I'm trying to do a miracle amongst. Yes, you, in the midst of your fear, go forward, move. Give you another point to wrap your head and heart around. When fear is present, be aware that God is also present. Be aware that God is also present. He's there with you. Let's read Matthew 1 verse 20 again. I want you to see something here. He says, but after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. Watch this, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Joseph is racked with fear. He's worried about how this is all going to turn out for Mary, what it will do to him and the unclear future that once seemed bright to him. And the angel says to him, don't be afraid, but watch why he tells him, because the Holy Spirit is doing something right here. God is present right here. Listen, we're talking about the greatest miracle in all creation. We're talking about the greatest miracle ever wrought amongst mankind. The pinnacle point where God shined his brightest. And in the midst of that, he chooses to do it through a man and a girl that are afraid.
Listen, the presence of fear does not indicate the absence of God in your life. It doesn't indicate that God is absent. We would be wise to take a step back from the very thing that we are putting faith in and consider, God, how are you working in the midst of these circumstances? Let me be clear. God's not putting you in circumstances to produce fear in you. That's not how God works. Fear is our response. That's not God's method of teaching us, leading us, and guiding us. Let me be clear. God does not teach us by fear. God does not lead us by fear. God is doing something great amongst Mary and Joseph. And Joseph's response was, I'm afraid. Romans 8.35 says this, Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or are hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? Watch verse 37. He says, no, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. I said, no, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ. Who loved us. You can overcome your fears. Because God's presence is your guarantee. That you can. And you will overcome. Listen. Joseph was smack in the middle. Of a miracle. And he's about to miss it. By his response. To fear. Let me ask you a question. For personal reflection is it possible that you've been missing what God is doing right in your life simply by the things that bring fear to your heart what are those things have you forgotten who you are and whose you are have you forgotten that God is still present You know, the scriptures say, it it, it gives us an admonishment. It gives us a warning. Paul says, by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, that we should not grieve the Holy Spirit. You know why I share that with you? Because it says something that even when you're at your worst, he's still present. He's still there. He's still faithful. He's unmoving. He's unshakable. This is the God that we serve. The game changer for Joseph became his awareness of God and how God was at present at work despite his fears. See, fear in itself isn't a bad thing. We all face it. We all feel it. It's what we do in the face of fear that gives us bad results. And so I want to encourage you to increase your awareness of God. Increase your awareness of God. Listen to what I'm talking about. Psalm 56, 3 says, when I am afraid. Watch what the psalmist is saying. I fear. I have these moments. This fear is real. I'm facing it. He says, when I'm afraid, I will put my trust in you. You know what fear is? It's trust in reverse. It's 
tell you what I mean by that. It's trust in anything but God. It's trusting your worry. It's trusting your insecurity. It's trust in your circumstances. It's trust in the opinions of people. It's trust in money. It's trust in material. It's trust in whatever else. It's trust in reverse. It's not trust in God. And you know how you turn it around? Trust God. It's not that complicated. You know where we fall short sometimes when it comes to trusting God and increasing our awareness of God? We take the time to hear about God, but we don't take the time to know God. Proverbs 12, verse 25 says this, Anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down, but a good word makes him glad. I want you to think of it this way. Here's anxiety, right? And you're holding on to it. Now, this maybe weighs maybe eight, nine pounds, ten the most, right? You're holding on to it. But you live life while holding on to this anxiety and at the same time, trying to hold on to God. You know what happens after a while? You may be reaching out for God and you may be even taking a hold of some of his promises. But this fear continues to weigh you down. This anxiety continues to pull upon your heart. You get tired. You get weary. You get worrisome. You don't want to let go. You're saying, why can't I let go of these things? And it's because you're trying to trust God. And at the same time, you're trying to hold on to anxiety. You know how you lighten the load? Let it go. Let it go. Let go of the anxiety. Because according to the scriptures, anxiety weighs you down. It weighs a man down, but a good word from God makes his heart glad. The change that occurred in his life was only possible when he received, listen closely, a good word from God. He heard what the angel announced from the Lord and he said, this is good. This is right. This is godly. This is truth. And I'm holding on to this. I'm letting go of my fear of the circumstances. I'm not going to worry about how this is all going to turn out. God, you said, and so I trust and I will move forward. Let me encourage you, get a good word from God because it makes all the difference. I was in a conversation this weekend, uh, last couple of days with a gentleman. We were just talking about the word of God and you know, we were kind of iron sharpening iron and, you know, just talking through some things. And I was encouraging this person. I would just simply encourage you with this as well. It just comes to mind to me because it was so fresh. You know, there's what we do with the word like a Rolodex. I'll tell you what I'm talking about. Something happens in life and we go through our Rolodex of scripture. What does the word say about this? Right? And we pull it out and we go, the word of God says that, you know, uh, I should be anxious for nothing, but in everything I should pray with, uh, with thanksgiving and supplication, make every, my request known to God and the peace of God that surpasses all things will guard my heart and my understanding. And, and you know, I will not be afraid. And God says, do not fear, uh, go forward. And God says, am I not with you? I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. And we'll, we'll just spit scripture. But in the midst of regurgitating scripture, are you hearing God's voice. Listen closely. His sheep know his voice, he says. Can I encourage you that when you're facing fear, take time to listen to the God of the scriptures. 
to hear God, to know God. Don't use the Bible like a recipe. We just pull out some details and go, okay, I'm going to just slap this all together and hope it turns out the way the recipe says. No, 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 no. Get a good word from God. You get where I'm coming from with this? Hear the voice of God. Listen for the voice of God. In this Christmas season, we're taking time to heighten our awareness of Christ in our lives. And the message of hope that his birth announced back then to all men and that till this very day still speaks to us all. But listen, to appreciate it, there's something that we should do in the face of fear. When fear is present, I want to encourage you to pause. What are you talking about, Pastor Jose? We get so wound up in the fear factor that we overlook the God factor. Listen to what Psalm 46, starting at verse 1, says. We're going to read to verse 11. Watch what it says here. It says, God is our refuge and strength. A very present help in trouble. Watch this. Therefore, we will not fear. Even though the earth be removed and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though its waters roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with its swelling. Listen to this. Selah. You know what that word selah means? It's a musical pause. It's a point in a song where the writer would draw the hearer's attention to reflect and consider what, was, what they just heard. The power, the beauty, the majesty, the truth in this term. In the midst of mountains trembling, waters raging, the psalmist says, Selah. Pause. God, you're present. You know, I've had moments in my life where I've said, God, I don't feel you. God, I don't see you. But God, I trust you. It's in those moments while life rages and fears arise where there's the threat of being moved and rocked by whatever it is that I'm putting trust in in reverse. That I encourage you, take a moment, pause. God, give me eyes to see what you are doing 
in my life right now. Give me eyes to see the miracle at work. Give me eyes to see and understand your power at work towards me. That's what the Apostle Paul prayed in Ephesians and in Galatians. He says, I'm praying that the eyes of the understanding of your heart would be enlightened, that your eyes would be open and that you would know the presence of God, the power of God towards you, the inheritance that's yours in the same, that you would know that God is present and alive and well. And while you may be afraid, you can move forward because God is with you. God, help me see. He says, Selah. Verse 4. Watch why he says, pause. While you're worried in the midst of a sea and seeing all these mountains troubled and moved, he says, in the midst of that, verse 4, there is a river. <laughs> you're worrying about the waves and you're not seeing what God's doing in the midst of the water. There's a river whose streams shall make glad the city of God. The holy place of the tabernacle of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her. Just at the break of dawn, the nations raged. The kingdoms were moved. He uttered his voice and the earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Pause. Selah. You're looking at mighty, mighty waters. You're worried about the waves and the wind. And what you're missing is the river, the flow of God in the midst of it. He says, come, behold the works of the Lord who has made desolations in the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and cuts the spear in two. He burns the chariot in the fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in all the earth. You know what God is saying? Watch me at work. Trust me. Let's stand here today. Heavenly Father. The power of Christ in our lives is evident. There's a flow of what you're doing in our lives. Father, right now, there are miracles at work behind the scenes in the lives of your people. I pray, Lord, open our eyes to see your hand at work. Open our eyes to see Christ who is alive and well, who lives and breathes and is doing a mighty work in and through us. Help us to see And know your presence to trust forward, not in reverse. I thank you, Father, that these, your people today, are strengthened. I thank you, Lord, that while fear may be present, you are still present and well able to do what you promise. Today, may we, your people, raise our eyes and pause. And see, Lord, you never left. You're still here. Father, in the midst of what you were doing in Joseph's lives, in his life, you were opening a path for greater things.
That's what you did by Christ. Lord, I pray that you would open new paths in the lives of these, your people. That you would show them the opportunities that you're placing before them. That you would show them, Lord, your purposes and your plans for them. There's anyone here today and this whole deal about God being with us has never made sense to you. You've never understood how much you mean to God. You've never understood that God's desire is to simply just be in relationship with you. And it's the reason why he brought Christ. It's the reason why we can truly reflect in Christmas and see the beauty of God in our lives. Maybe you've struggled with fear. Maybe you've had some tough deals in life. Hey, listen. That's where you are today, but today you see hope in God. You see hope in the coming of Christ. And you realize that God is speaking to you right now and saying, don't be afraid anymore. I'm right here with you. I'm working miracles amongst you. I'm leading you to green pastures. There's a flow of what I'm doing in your life. If today you believe that God loves you and you want to walk with God in relationship with him, then let's pray this together. It's simply a prayer of belief, of agreement with what God is doing. And we want to agree with you. We want to join in that with you. And we ask that after you've prayed this with us, if you truly believe it in your heart, don't leave here alone. Let us know what God is doing in your life. Let us know the decision you made. And allow us to walk alongside you on this journey together. Pray this with us. Say, Jesus, I believe. I believe you're the son of God. I believe you died and you rose again. I believe you paid a price for me. Today I accept you as my Lord and Savior. I declare that you're my God. And I choose to follow you all the days of my life. Come on, let's celebrate. God is amongst us. He's working miracles. We celebrate what God is doing in your life. Father, we are so thankful for Jesus. We're so thankful for your power at work in our lives. Now, Lord, we leave here with thanksgiving, celebrating what you've done, knowing that Christ truly is in the midst of Christmas. And we don't have to be afraid anymore. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen.